As we get into week four, I don't know how your week was, but um, I, I, mine started with the whole PPE thing, which is exciting. And then we were expecting phase two, and we got stage two. And then uh, I decided yesterday that I was going to cut down a tree. And uh, it wasn't just one tree, I actually wanted to cut down a few trees. And I started cutting down these trees, and then the trees started attacking me. I was, I was cutting down one tree, and the next thing, I don't know, its branch like, got upset with me, and it hit me in the leg. And uh, it knocked my leg, and I was quite high at the time, it knocked my leg out from underneath me, and I went down, landed on a fence, I've got scratches all over. And, uh, and when I went to tell my wife, she said, babe... Why do you always get yourself into these situations? I think you enjoy them. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but uh, many of us, lots of us, find ourselves constantly in cycles, in situations that something inside of us puts ourselves into. And you can like nudge your husband or nudge your wife, or you can send someone a message, you need to watch this now. If, if you're one of those pe people who something on the inside causes you to get into that situation again and again, this message is going to be for you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look in this week four of The Chosen, I'm going to look at a person and an interaction that happens with Jesus with a leper. It's one of the most powerful, beautiful interactions you'll ever see. And uh, to set you up for it, because if you just, if you don't have an understanding of how the Jews saw lepers, you, you'll miss out on this. So, so what I, I did is I asked a couple of people to read Numbers 12. I asked Ndalo, who's an intern, and, and Carmen. I asked them to read Numbers 12, which is a story about Miriam angering God so much because she, she tries to pull Moses down. She angers him so much that God curses her with leprosy. I want you to watch this, and, and all of this is going to set us up for, for a scene in, in The Chosen. So watch Calms and Nindala. So there's the story in Numbers 12 where Aaron and Miriam are bickering against Moses. Aaron and Miriam are Moses' brother and sister, and they're bickering about Moses' wife, this Cushite woman. Now the word Cush is a Hebrew word, which means black. Moses married an Ethiopian woman, which made it an interracial marriage. She was completely different. She came from a completely different culture and she looked different. She was not part of them, but it's not just that. Moses is different. He thought differently. He was educated differently. He spoke Egyptian as his first language. He was different to his brother and sister. He, he, he never encountered slavery. He was a part of them, but he was not necessarily one of them. And now he went off and married an Ethiopian woman. Isn't it funny how we try to convince people to change, and if we don't succeed in changing them, we just exclude them from everything? If you come to Derbs and you're a Bulls supporter, you either change or you become alienated. So there's this thing going on here. It's complicated. Weird stuff, chips on shoulders, that's what's going on. It is a thing, but the problem is that they let that thing determine their actions, and they spoke out against Moses. They tried to bring him down to their level, almost make him an equal. Look what Moses said, God speaks through all of us. What makes Moses so special? Now the thing is, the issue, the it's complicated, has gone from a problem to a weapon. Because when you speak against God's anointed, even if you try to defame another Christian, you're using your words to accuse, and the real accuser gets the power in the situation when the church accuses. Aaron and Miriam are using their words to reduce Moses' God-given position. They're trying to make him an equal. 
they're trying to take God's appointed order, the way God has set order into Israel and make it in the way that God has set order into re Israel and reconstruct it into a democracy. God hears them and calls out to them. So if you've ever been called into the headmaster's office, you would know that this is a situation here. God says to them, if there was an anointed person around here, I would, ca I would call them and I would tell them I've given them dreams and visions as a prophet. But when it comes to my man Moses, he is so faithful that I don't need to speak to him through dreams or visions. I'll talk to him face to face. I trust my man Mo. And that's kind of funny because God says to them, why aren't you afraid to criticize my man Moses, whom I trust? So I'm going to read this next scripture from Numbers 12 verse 9 and it says, The Lord was very angry with them, and as he departed, the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, and there stood Miriam, whose skin was as white as snow from leprosy. See, Miriam was marked by God's anger. She was judged by His holiness. When, when she was sick, Moses prayed, and she got healed. But no one ever forgets what happened to Miriam. Generations after generations still speak about what happened to Miriam. Jewish kids who memorized the first five books of the Bible memorized the story about what happened with Miriam. And not only did they memorize the story about what happened with Miriam, but they related that to God's anger. And they related it to the fact that God's anger gave Miriam leprosy. And they related leprosy to the fact that she had to live outside the community and she was isolated and that she had to wear torn clothes and cover the lower parts of her face. Now the big pain, the thing that left people feeling so hopeless was that their leprosy was a result of God's anger at sin. They were like Miriam, all outnumbered by rebels, all of whom were judged by God with leprosy. From that whole story is, is that people by Jesus' day, by the time they got to Jesus' day, their experience or their expectation when they saw lepers was that I am looking at one who is judged by God for their sin. And all the laws reinforced it. Every single law reinforced, stay away from me. So I want you to imagine, as you watch this clip, because we're going to look at Jesus interacting with the leper, as you look at this clip, I want you to imagine what was going on in the leper's heart as he comes to Jesus. He's been rejected, isolated. He, he feels like he's one of Miriam. He's, he feels like he's one who lives under the anger and wrath of God because of sin, and he doesn't even know what he's done that's so bad. He's living in that. It takes all his desperate faith to come to Jesus. Watch this clip. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 Rabbi his disease, you Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you can do. I know you can heal me if you are willing.
Just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. It's one of the most beautiful stories. I've probably watched that little clip about eight times. It is so filled with compassion. In fact, he, he ends it. He says, go and show yourself to the, to the priest. And, and here's what he's saying. Go get yourself back into community. It is, it is just beautiful. But I want to take some of the text. I'm actually going to read the story from Luke chapter 5 to, because there's words that are used in this, in this scene and, and in this story that literally give power to our understanding. So I'm going to read from Luke 5 verse 12. It says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. See, what I love about this scripture is that the man comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, will you cleanse me. He doesn't say, Jesus, will you heal me? He says, Jesus, will you cleanse me? It's, it's like he has an understanding that leprosy is not a skin issue. It's not skin deep. It goes deeper than that. And Jesus legitimizes his request. Jesus turns to him, and it's not like Jesus goes, hey, but 
I know everything, and this is actually Hansen's disease, it's bacterial, and here's what's happening, it's attacking your skin, but it's gonna get to your nerves, and, and it's gonna destroy things, but don't worry, I can heal it. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus uses exactly the same words back to him that he uses on Jesus. Jesus says to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. Now there are so many times in scripture where Jesus uses I am willing, be healed, or he says, stretch out your hand. He uses other language specific to the problem. But this time, he says, be cleansed. I want you cleansed. Now, for those of us who put our life into physical boxes and emotional boxes and spiritual boxes, this doesn't make sense. Jesus speaks spiritual language to a physical problem, and the physical problem gets healed. I want, to, I want to go a little deeper. You see, Luke 5, it's, it's a series of stories. And, and this one is with a leper. But then the very next story is with a paralytic. And I'm going to read from verse 20. And it says this. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Here's the setup. The paralytic has four friends. And the four friends come to Jesus with the paralytic. He has faith to be healed, but the four friends can't get into the room. So what they do is they literally break in. They take the tiles off the roof, they, they open it up, and they literally drop the guy. I mean, he was paralyzed. Anyway. They drop him at Jesus' feet. And Jesus looks up. He sees their faith. Just go back to that previous scripture. He sees their faith. When he sees their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. This is a problem. Because again, Jesus is dealing with a physical problem with a spiritual solution. And the Pharisees who hear, friend, your sins are forgiven, they go mad. And the reason they go mad is because there's only one person who can forgive sins, it's God alone. And so Jesus knows this and he says, he says next scripture, Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Now, if people had cell phones back there, there would be hashtag OMG. What on earth just happened? Did you see that? They would be struggling to work out what Jesus said and what they'd just seen. It would have been, it would have been so mind-blowing that Jesus has, with a spiritual word, healed a man. But there is so much happening in this text. And we could, we could talk about the fact that Jesus was claiming to be God in this text. A lot of people think that Jesus didn't claim to be God. Jesus claimed to be God almost on every page of the Gospels. Jesus, by saying, friend, your sins are forgiven, what he was saying was, I am God who forgives sins. We could look at that and we could dive into that. Or we could look at the fact that this scripture is a prophetic picture. It's like he was doing an object lesson about what's gonna happen on the cross. You see, what he did, he said, your, your sins are forgiven and then healing happened. The point of the cross was that sins are forgiven on the cross and the result is healing and deliverance and breakthrough happened. It's a prophetic picture of the cross. But the thing I wanna dive into is the correlation. You see, the first story, we have a leper being cleansed by spiritual words and therefore being healed. 
And then in the second story, we have a paralytic receiving spiritual words, you're forgiven, and being healed. Two people healed, one cleansed, one forgiven. Cleansed, forgiven. These things are different. Most Christians think, think of them as the same, but these things, they're different. And for those biblical scholars amongst you, I want to give you a little pattern to help you understand this, because in the Old Testament, when you wanted to go into the presence of God, you would go to the altar where blood was shed. You need blood for the forgiveness of sins. And then you would go to the bronze laver when, when you wanted to be washed clean. So the process was blood, water, presence. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus had to, be, he had to die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. That's the blood but then we need to be washed by the word so that we can be cleansed to live in the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's more going on here. In fact, in 1 John 1.9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us forgiveness of sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness or all, all wrong in our lives. Jesus will cleanse us, cleansing and forgiveness See, the thing is this, all sin needs forgiveness. God is a holy God. He is offended by all sin. All sin needs to be taken care of at the cross, but some sin needs cleansing. What I said when I heard about PPE this week, and what I said when we went to stage two, that needed forgiveness. I said, sorry God. And the reason I had to confess was not to get the forgiveness. Forgiveness is given at the cross. The reason I needed to confess was to change. When I say, God, I'm sorry that I said that about the government. I want to do what you asked me to do. I want to pray for the government. What happens is in that repentance, power is released. Forgiveness of sins. We, we constantly confessing. We're constantly repenting. But there is a different sin. There is a sin that stains See, let me, let me try and help you understand this. There are some sins that are just kind of on the outside. They just affect some stuff around us, but they, they don't break stuff. There are other sins that have a ripple effect in my life, and it affects people around me. There are things that we've done, there are things that we got caught up in that, that it's, it stains us, it defiles us. And, and the way we know this is because of the effect it has around us. There's a ripple effect. There are sins that are committed against you. You didn't even do them. But they have a ripple effect. The dad that left. The teacher that said, you'll never succeed. They're, they're the boundary the physical boundary that got pushed in that relationship. And here's the thing about sins that defile you. Sins that defile you, they cause the cycle. And so what happens is you're working one day and, and it looks like it's all going wrong and you feel this rage rise up inside of you like you felt when that teacher said you will never be anything. And you sabotage everything you've been trying to build. Or you, you find yourself, you're working huge hours, long days, long nights. You, you find yourself, you can't stop working. And when you break it down, though your dad died five years ago, you're just trying, still trying to please him. 
because he left just after you were born. You see, these are sins that have stained you, that you need a cleansing from, that you need to break free from. There's some of you, you get into relationships and the relationship's starting to go well, starting to go well, and then you do the thing you've always done. As soon as it gets to a certain level, you remember and you feel the feelings you had when he pushed the boundary, when she did that to you, and you push away and you shut down the relationship. And though you've been longing to have this relationship for years and years and years, you self-sabotage. And I want to say there are so many people watching today, and you're self-sabotaging. Sin that has defiled you, has got a root inside of you, and you consistently feel emotions. And though you've been trying so hard, you've gone to God, you've repented, you've said, sorry, God, here's the deal. You are still held by emotions you felt when you were really, really young. And Jesus wants to cleanse you. You need to be forgiven for sin, but you get cleansed from sin. And I'm so convinced, you know, today is actually all a build-up to a moment of ministry at the end. I'm so convinced that when you get this in your head, I want to be purged, and you pray a prayer, I literally believe that there are cycles in people's lives that are going to end. They're just going to, you're going to find them dissolve as God begins to penetrate into your soul. He's going to get into aspects of your life, into your psyche that you didn't even know existed. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a scripture. It's a prayer. It's a prayer from a guy by the name of David. And David, though he lived in the Old Testament, he had a realization of Jesus in the New Testament that few Christians today have. He had an understanding of the Holy Spirit that was so beautiful. It, it would just blow your mind. David has sinned against God, against a friend, and against a woman, Bathsheba. In this, this situation, he has killed his friend because he's made his friend's wife pregnant to cover over. And Nathan the prophet comes and he, and he confronts David for the sin that has defiled him. And David repents. He says, I am so sorry. He's cut to the heart. And then Nathan comes back and Nathan says to him, God says, you're forgiven. It's unbelievable. And after that, now he's forgiven. Blood shed, forgiven. Now he prays Isaiah 51. I want you to listen to these words. I'm going to explain these words and then we're going to pray them as a team. So now, I mean, sorry, in Psalm 51, this is what it says. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. I just want to pause for a moment. Most people who have defiling sin, most people believe that they have to do something to break out of this, but I want you to know that that leper went to Jesus and the only thing he could bring was desperation and faith. It was his faith that caused Jesus to come. It's David's faith in God's goodness that causes him to come to God. Here's what he says. He says, 
blot out my transgressions. That's my rebellion, my mess. And then he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. That's my ugliness and the consequences that I deserve. And then he says, and cleanse me from my sin. Sin is missing the mark. Cleanse me from the thing I've messed up. And then he says, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. It wasn't that he hadn't sinned against other people, but here's what he's doing. He's going, God, we're dealing with my cleansing and my cleansing is a you and me deal and I know that I need you and you alone because you've given me everything and I've abused it. And only you can cleanse me. And then he says, I've sinned and done this evil in your sight. And he says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. We don't know exactly what happened to David. And theologians have been speaking about this for years. Nobody really knows. Was he, was he the result of an affair? We, we don't know the sin that he was birthed into, but what we do know is that something went wrong because he's ostracized from his brothers. There's something different. There's something funky going on. There's some sin that has been done to him that's defiled him, and it's probably resulted in this. And he goes, God, from the beginning, I was messed up. And then he, he carries on. Behold, you desire truth, in the inward parts, the scripture means the hidden parts. And in the hidden part of you, you will make me to know wisdom. Here's, here's the deal. Some people listening to this, you consistently do the same thing again and again. And, and if you don't see it, your wife's elbowing you now. She sees it. Or someone sees it. You consistently make the same mistakes and you have no idea why. And this is what this prayer is saying. It's saying, God, come into parts of me that I have no idea why and bring your wisdom. Help me discern your truth. He says, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. This is faith. This is God. I'm not just asking you to forgive me. This, I'm asking you to cleanse everything inside of me so that I'm a different person. That's what he's praying. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who changes us. Do not take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. I've asked Jesse to come up because I don't want this just to be a, a moment of, that's a good prayer. I want this to be a moment of cleansing. So you're coming to Jesus, the cleanser. Jesus, who has the ability to get into parts of your life that no psychologist could get to, who can heal scarred aspects of you in ways that make those aspects look whiter than snow, who can wash you from the inside out. And I am trusting that God is literally going to set people free. I believe that there are some people, you're going to pray this prayer with me in a moment, and I believe that God is going to deliver your bodies. You're going to, like the leper, be able to say, He cleansed me and my body got healed. And some others, I, I'm literally trusting 
for relationships that got broken to get restored because he's the cleanser. And so if you're at home, why don't you grab Psalm 51 and stand up and pray this with me. It goes like this. Let's start from the beginning. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. It's been consuming me, God. I don't want it anymore. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And if that wasn't your birthplace, none of this, we all came into this world. We came as children of Adam. We, we, we came forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Behold, Lord, you desire truth in every part of me. That's your desire for me. You've got to hold on to this. God's desire for you right now is truth that sets you free in every part of your life. You desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Lord, I pray that as people declare this over their lives, I pray, Lord, that you're going to break in. You're literally going to change psyches. You're going to heal bodies. You're going to set people free from shame. I pray, God, for people who've been raped, people who've felt betrayal and desertion, and hope deferred. Lord, I pray that you invade their minds as they pray this prayer. And I ask God that there is such a radical restoration that the people around them will see a ripple effect of your love. That they'll literally be changed as they're cleansed by your word and filled with your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, fill people in the deepest recesses of their hearts and minds. Begin to fill people and give them wisdom to know your will. I pray this in Jesus' name and I'm trusting for so many people's lives to change. As you go this week on, on Tuesday, we're going to be thrashing this out and a couple of incredible people are going to be working this through. And you, you might need to join us. I would encourage you to take Psalm 51 and just read it over your life again and again. As you allow God to do such a deep work inside of you that He changes you. And for those of you who the Holy Spirit has put in your heart to invite someone to Alpha, won't you please do that now? And I believe that many people are going to get saved. So invite them now and let's get them onto Wednesday. It's going to be absolutely awesome. But you have a phenomenal week. And God bless you. Thank you for joining us. It's been great being with you.